loosen up, wake up, come on, yeah. All right, good, good, good. Now, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hang a caveat here. Um, as I talk about the Lord, and I'm in the Word, and I'm talking about the Word of God, my voice may raise. So, A.V., I'm, that's okay. And, and to those of you who are here, you know, don't call Jim later and said, you know, you brought an angry black man in from Buffalo and he yelled at me. (laughs) (laughs) I am not yelling at you. I'm yelling for him. Amen. Amen. And um, it is really hard for me to just kind of be low key and subtle as I talk about Jesus and talk about uh, the things of the kingdom. So um, I, I ask in advance uh, that you would excuse me. You beg, I beg your pardon, and um, get over yourself. Anyway, it's good to be here. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's, it's good to be up north again. Uh, Tony and I are here again. We love, love coming up and just love being with the people of God. I thank God for my wife, Tony. We've been married for 38 years, and wave, babe, and just good... Uh, Good stuff, good stuff, and uh, praise God for my family, our, our four children, and we have three grandsons, and, and, uh, um, and all we're doing, all we get to do, all we get to do for God, amen, all we get to do for God, um, all we get to do in serving his people and serving in the kingdom of God is a rich thing. And, uh, and we just praise God for the opportunity. Good to be with you. Now, I, I, um, I, I, uh, several things are swirling, and so just give me a moment, okay? But uh, this has been a special weekend for you. You know, you're, you're just celebrating and, and uh, revisiting some of the things that God has done in your history as a church and, and the move of God, um, and uh, even redigging some wells. Not that they were plugged up, not that they were stopped up or anything, um, but it's always good to look back and remember from whence we've come and, and, and the faithfulness of God, the move of God uh, in our midst. That's always good. And so I, I want to just kind of, kind of uh, tag onto that a little bit. And, you know, to the AV team, I had some scriptures written out that I was going to give to you, but I didn't. And so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and whoever's back there on the keyboard will, will work fast and type fast and, and, uh, and all of that good stuff. I, I don't want to belabor the time. Let's go uh, to the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Um, by Romans, the letter is, is considered by many scholars to be... Um, the doctrinal theses of the New Testament is really, really a powerful letter written to the church at Rome. One of the things that will help us to understand the context of the letter, you know, in, in, order, in order to understand the content, you need to understand the context. And, and, and really, uh, there are several things going on in, in Rome one of the things that we have to bear in mind is, is, that, is that the Jewish population were, were, were just coming back into Rome. Um, 
They, they had been expelled. The Jews had been expelled from Rome for a period of time, maybe seven to ten years or somewhere in that point. Meanwhile, the church was going and growing, and it was, it was, it was being administrated by the Gentile segment of the church. And, um, and then the Jews come back and kind of step back into the church. And obviously, there's some rub, right? And... Um, so it is no wonder that we look at, we look at the, the, the cultural landscape today and, and we, we see the rub, the cultural rub, the ethnic, the, the rub as it relates to ethnicity, um, the whole black-white thing, the whole black lives matter. Uh, ah, did I say that? Yeah. What's critical for us to be able to do is understand um, that we, we, we actually need to separate the statement Black Lives Matter from the Black Lives Matter movement. You could say man louder than that, but it's okay. Because where the movement is concerned, there are all kinds of things that have been attached to the quote-unquote movement. There are all kinds of agendas that are, that are hiding and masquerading under the movement. Uh, but the movement notwithstanding, Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, Hispanic lives matter. Come on. Asian lives matter. And so it, 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 we shouldn't have to say black lives matter through gritted teeth. Not believers anyway. Not believers. That was a moment to say man, but you'll catch it on the ride home. Yeah. Because I, I read in my Bible and I read that Jesus died for everyone. Everyone, everyone mattered enough to God. According to St. John 3.16, the Bible says that he so loved the world and he didn't exclude anyone. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm going to leave you alone in a minute, I promise. I'm going to have lunch and go to Buffalo. It's going to, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And so it's everyone. And, and, and in the kingdom, that we talked about it. I, I had a wonderful opportunity to do... Uh, Hope, hope chat, hope chat. I, I, that was just wonderful, and 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 got to spend some time with Jim, and and we just talked and dialogue around these issues. You know what the world needs, the church should have. Amen, amen. The an, the answer is in the kingdom. The answer is in the kingdom of God. It it really is. These these issues are not new. They were they 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 came up in Rome. They came up uh, at Ephesus. Uh, they, they came up in Jesus' day. In, in the first century, there, there wasn't a more segregated period of time. There was racism. There was sexism. Come on. Do we really know our Bibles? There is nothing new under the sun. This is not new. And the answer then is the same answer today. It's Jesus. We don't have a skin issue. We have a sin issue. That's the problem. That's the problem. We need a whole lot of Jesus. And, 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 and more, than, more than we see on a Sunday morning and more than we're involved in on a Sunday morning. I'm on the clock. I'm, I'm, I'm on the clock. Um, if, listen, if, if, if what happens, if what happens in, your, in, in your, your, your church experience on a Sunday doesn't flesh out, into your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, then I contend that you're missing something on Sunday. 
I contend, I contend, it's a swing and a miss. If what we enjoy here doesn't work out there. I said to our church, uh, maybe it was last Sunday. I think we were home last Sunday. <laughs> it was last Sunday. Uh, I said, listen, you, the, the Bible says that we are the light of the world, right? Uh, listen to me. You can't be light in a room that you refuse to go in. You can't season something you refuse to touch. We're the salt of the earth. The world needs what you have. When will you give it to them? When will you show them that Jesus really is the answer? It's more than a song. I believe it was written by Andre Crouch. You all remember that song? It's old. I'm dating myself. So Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Y'all ever heard that song? Yeah. The Pepsi stole the melody, right? <laughs> the Pepsi commercial. Y'all remember that way back? Some of y'all are too young college students. I'm sorry. I'm an old guy. <laughs> he is the answer. You, you carry. You carry the answer. We have the antidote. And it's Jesus and him crucified. Him risen on the third day. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. He is the answer, and we carry that. And the world needs that. You can't turn the TV off and say, oh, we're in a bad way. You got to get involved. I'm not talking about protesting. Folks have been protesting uh, since, since the ark. They've been protesting. <laughs> it's not in the protest. We need transformed lives to intersect with lives who have not yet met Jesus. And then what you do, you share your story. <laughs> Just share your story. You don't have to be a theologian. Say amen. You, 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 you don't have to be, 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 be uh, uh, you know, uh, articulate and, and all of these things. You, you know, you don't have to be an apologist. You don't. You don't, you don't have to know hermeneutics, homiletics. You don't have to know any of those things. Just share your story. Tell somebody about your life before you met Christ. Then tell them how you met Christ. And then tell them how he's changed your life. I declare there is power in your story. That's not what I'm talking about today. Did I ask you to go to the book of Romans? I'm almost done now. If, if you guys would stop clowning, we'd get through this, I'll tell you. We'd be more than halfway done, but you, you, get, you keep getting sidetracked. Romans chapter number 8. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about life in the spirit. In my Bible, I'm, I'm reading from the ESV, uh, English Standard Version. And, and in my Bible, the pericope over at the beginning of, of the 8th chapter says life in the spirit. And if you don't mind, I'm going to borrow that. And, and if I were to give this, uh, the rest of our time together, at least with me jawjacking at you, I, I would entitle this Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. Um, I, I love what Jesus says um, early on in the book of Acts, first chapter, second chapter, wherever it is. I believe it's the first chapter. Jesus, Jesus says, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, um, you shall receive power. And it's, he said, and it's power to be my witnesses. And if the world needs anything, the world today, they need a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so could, could, it, could, 
could it, could it be that God has saved you and your life for what I believe to be the most strategic hour in the world today? Right now. Right now. I, the world doesn't need another politician. No matter what side of the aisle you sit on, fall on, run to, doesn't matter. Our, our help is not there. Our help is in Jesus. I didn't mean to be political. But I meant every word I said. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. Okay. Y'all should have started this clock down here so I, I w- wouldn't know what's what. Um, verse number 1. Let's read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll pause. Reading from the English Standard Version, the word of the Lord reads this wise. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse number three, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Everybody say in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to to the spirit. I, I, if really, if I had time, I would, I would love to preach through this whole chapter and, and, and really the whole letter, but I just don't have time. Um, I, I love the fact that, that, that Paul's opening sentence in this paragraph of his letter is that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. No condemnation. Uh, We often encounter conviction, but not condemnation. And it's critical that we understand the difference. Condemnation will, will cause your head to drop and your shoulders to droop, and you will feel so negatively about yourself until your thinking will be, there is no hope for me. There is no help for me. Conviction, when it comes, and it is brought by the Spirit of God, causes us to lift our head and our hand to him and say, Lord Jesus, you love me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Condemnation causes you to go inward. Conviction causes you to reach for him. It's the difference. And so Paul says now as believers, whether you get it right or wrong, whether, you're, whether, whether you make mistakes or not, whether you mess up or not, no condemnation. But God loves me too much not to convict me. A couple months ago, I shared, uh, I shared yesterday, a couple months ago, I, I was finishing up an engineering project, and I was on the, on the project site and, and doing some review of some work that was done. And I'm just walking, and I'm communicating, communing with God, and, and, and I, I just felt the Lord, he, he made an ask of me. And I said to the Lord, uh, well, I didn't actually say it, but I thought it. I'm like, mm, we can't do that. That was my thought. And the Lord 
he's so kind and so gracious in my heart, in my spirit. He interrupted my thought and he asked me this question. He says, why do you always respond to me from the place of a deficit? Now, if it was anybody else but God, I would have said, I don't respond to you. (laughs) But it would have done me no good to say that to God. And so I just, I got really silent. And the, and the, and the Lord over, over the next few days just took me to passage after passage, passage after passage, validating, I, I don't know if it was an accusation, I don't know what it was, he, he, he brought it to my attention, validating not, not only what I do, but we, what we do. One day Jesus feeds 4,000 people with, with literally nothing compared to the crowd that had to be fed. And, and he, had, he had the disciples partner with him in the miracle. The next day, the next day, Jesus makes this statement. Beware of the leaven of Herod. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And right away the disciples in their mind said, uh-oh, we forgot to bring bread. And so Jesus is upset with us. The day before, he fed 4,000 people with almost nothing. The next day, we don't have bread and Jesus is upset. Are you tracking with me? Anybody else kind of think that? Don't, Don't tell on yourself. And it's just one thing after another, one thing after another. And, and I, I fell under so, I, I was convicted. I was convicted, but I, I, I didn't turtle. I didn't go inward. I reached upward. And I said, Lord, help my unbelief. I said, I believe. Y'all remember that man. Help my unbelief. God doesn't turn us away because we have little faith. God, God didn't turn anybody away who, who didn't have faith at all. Jesus would minister to them. He would heal them. And, and in doing so, he would raise their level of faith. Hope, new hope. I, I'm here to tell you, God wants to raise your level of faith. He wants to raise your level of faith. The pandemic is not to reduce you in your faith. It is to raise your level of faith. What's happening on the political scene is not to cause us to cower and tuck and duck. It is to raise our level of faith and expectation in the Lord Jesus Christ. David said, my soul wait thou only upon the Lord for my expectation comes from him. Do you have an expectation this morning? I expect God to do everything he said he would do. Everything. I mean down to the punctuation. He will dot every I. He will cross every T. His word is good. There is a passage in the book of Psalm, Psalm 106, I believe it is. Psalm 106 and verse number 24. The Bible says that the children of Israel, um, they, 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 they didn't enter into the, to the pleasant land or the promised land or Canaan. They didn't enter the promised land because they did not believe the promise. I'm here to let you know that the promise, first of all, is only as good as the promiser. I'll let you think about that. It's critical who makes promise to you. If God promises, you can bank on that. That's going to be good. No, it's just a matter of time. Uh, But he's faithful. 
and he'll increase my courage, he'll increase my faith, he'll increase my perseverance, and I can wait on the Lord, right? And they that wait upon the Lord. Lord, help me. Okay. No condemnation. No condemnation. God, God has moved us up from insiders, from outsiders to insiders. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 21. Uh, uh, Paul, again, the same writer, declares, he, the he here is God, made him, the him in, the, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, is Jesus, for he made him who knew no sin to become sin, and he became sin for you and I, so that we could be in him, through him, by him, the righteousness of God. He's changed my place. Are you okay? And so Paul, in these, these first few sentences uh, of this paragraph of the letter, he says, listen, we've moved from, from condemnation to the righteousness of God. Not of our own doing, but because of the act of the Lord Jesus Christ. His obedience. He went to the cross and he died for you and I. The Bible declares in the book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Thank God for Jesus. And so, no condemnation. We are the righteousness of God. Romans uh, 8, verse number 12. I, I have to close now. I, you know what? I have to close. It's just, it's just. Let's, let's look at verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. Do I have grace for like maybe five more minutes, ten more minutes? Russell, just give me, just, just, just give me grace. Just give me grace. Verse number 12. Um, I, I want to read a few verses here. Listen. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. Right? Because of the flesh, what, what came as a result of that? Death, right? So we're not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. I love that. I love it. I'm just going to interrupt the text and pause right here. Those of us, the, I, I love it in the King James, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It is critical for you and I to live a life tucked away and hidden in, led by, uh, unctioned by, driven by the Spirit. That's where our life is. It's in the Spirit. We, have, we, we find life there. We, we find presence there. We find leading and guidance there, sight and insight there. It is by the Spirit. There, there is a passage of Scripture in, uh, I believe it's in the book of Matthew chapter number 3, and it's, it's about the end of the chapter. And please forgive me for not having the exact ad- address, but it's, it's the end of the chapter. And Jesus, Jesus comes to John the baptizer, and he says to John, you know, you, you, I need you to baptize me. And John says, mm, I know who you are, <laughs> all these other folks, <laughs> but I know who you are. And he says, you should be baptizing me. And, and, and Jesus says, no, you're going to baptize me. Let's, we're going to fulfill all righteousness, and you're going to baptize me. John baptizes him, and, and, and Matthew records that immediately upon Jesus coming up out of the water, the heavens opened, 
The heavens open. Look at somebody and tell them. Remind them. Say, you live under an open heaven. I ain't say that like you believe it. Listen, I'll just, I'll just ask you, find in Scripture where it closed. You won't because it doesn't exist. It opened and there is no place in the word where it closed. You see what Jesus, before the cross, he gave us access. Before the cross, he, he created a portal between the earth and the heavenlies. No wonder Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 10, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It can happen because the heaven is already open and you will be the, the vehicle, the means, the mechanism through which heaven comes to earth. Getting this? Excuse me, I'm going to have a David moment, and I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I am preaching so good, okay? <laughs> the Bible says that the heavens opened and a dove descended, and, and, and it rested on Jesus. Get the picture of this, that a bird would rest on you. Even if you stood still enough, long enough, for a bird to light upon you, the moment you moved, what would happen? I believe that this is a picture by which we should live our lives, that when the Spirit comes upon us, that we should live in such a sensitive way to the voice of God, to the leading of God, to the prompting of God, until we never even upset the Spirit of God that's in us. I believe we can live like that. I believe we can live like that. I believe that we can live in a way and in a place with the Lord Jesus where he is so pleased with us. And we don't have a lot of fluttering and flighting and feathers flying around us because birds leaving and whatever. <laughs> whatever. Come on. That I live under an open heaven. I, I, have, I have, according to Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 27 B, the last part of the verse, Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What more could you ask? You have the Son of God. You have deity residing in you. And if that were not enough, at one point Jesus said to the disciples, I must go away. If I don't go, then the comforter will not come. We have everything we need to be the people of the kingdom. Everybody say open heaven. God is desirous for us to live out of his resources and not ours. That's a good statement there. You, note takers, you, I'm going to write that down myself. God desires that we live out of his resources and not our own. That we live out of his strength and not our own, that we live out of his ability and not our own. Jesus said, I believe it's in St. John chapter number 5, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. He said, my father is working, therefore I work. And he said, I only do what I see my father doing. And then a, a few chapters later, Jesus said, I only say 
what I hear my father saying. That was Jesus living out of the resources of the father. You and I, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because of the power of God resident in our lives, we can live out of those same resources. Boy, I'm preaching so good. This is, this is unbelievable here. I, listen, if you are not living out of the resources of heaven, you are the old folks in my church tradition would say, you are living beneath your privilege. You are living beneath your privilege. You're laboring, you're toiling, you're trying to make things happen. I hear people all the time saying, I'm trying to build my ministry. I'm trying to build my ministry. There's one ministry, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all the rest of us need to ride that one to heaven. <laughs> Open heaven. <laughs> Open heaven. It's open. It's open. It's there for you. Learn how to appropriate. Learn how to access. Learn, 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 learn how to live. Learn how to live out of the presence of God. Learn, learn that. Learn, learn. Become intimately acquainted with the, with the Holy Spirit resident in your life. Letting him lead you. Letting him guide you. Being sensitive to him, not ignoring him. As Paul said to the Thessalonians, don't quench the spirit. That's a good word, Bill. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm closing. I'm, I'm going to close my Bible. In Jeremiah chapter number 18. Um, there's this wonderful picture. God, God says to Jeremiah, I, I want you to take a walk down to the potter's house. I want you to go down there. He says, when you get there, he says, the word of the Lord will come to you. And so Jeremiah gets there, and, and he's watching the potter, and, and the scripture says that, the, that the, 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 the clay on the wheel, it was marred. It was marred in the hand of the potter. And, uh, and then the potter did, he did what, what the potter does and, and, and made a vessel. And then maybe, I don't know, verse 3 or 4, verse 5, whichever it is, um, God says, this is how I want to, this is how I want to do Israel. This is what I, this is what I want to, this is what I want to do with you. Now God was saying to Jeremiah about natural Israel, but if we lift the principle out of the text, Oh, I believe he's saying that about you and I. This is, this is, this is what I want to achieve. That God wants to create and, and, and make something out of us, new hope. Something beyond that which we could even imagine or, or, or think, right? Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that where that worketh. There is something at work in you, something on the inside of you, something of heaven working on the inside of you, shaping you, molding you, fashioning you after his will, his purpose, and his destiny. But like the potter, if you watch a skilled potter, there's a, he's got one hand on the inside of the vessel, and then there's another hand on the outside of the vessel. Are you with me? 
Are you with me? I, I want to just hang a caveat here. I, I want to issue a warning. I, I want you to be careful that just because you recognize the power of God in your life, just because you know you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you have, you have, you have heaven resident in you, it's not just about you and Jesus. It's about you and Jesus and me. It's about the rest of us. It's not, it's never just about you and Jesus. Oh, God, by his divine power and and his infinite will is at work on the inside of us, but it takes the rest of us to kind of rub on the outside. Boy, I'm preaching so good. (laughs) This may be rubbing you the wrong way. God chooses to use us in his divine formation of what he's creating in and out of our lives. It's never just about you and him. It's always about us. I should have got a bigger amen than that, but it's okay. It's okay. Paul says, near the end of that paragraph, chapter 8. He says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us. Now let's deal with this because this is, you know, it's, it's like he's, he hangs it out as if it's a question, right? And, and, and really, when you, when, you, when, you do the, when you do the word language, it's really not a question. It, it really is an emphatic statement. It, it, it really reads, since God is how do you know he's for you? Well, he's giving you Jesus. He's giving you the Holy Spirit. Look around the room. He's giving you the rest of us. So you might as well get over yourself and start liking me. And recognize you can't make heaven if you don't love me. Right? He's he's given us, that's a big three right there. That is a big three right there. And then not only that, we have the word of God. We have the name of Jesus. At one point, Jesus said, guys, you've been praying and you've been praying like this. He said, but from now on, when you pray, he said, use my name. Ah, Use my name. And now now when we pray, we have the nerve to say, in the name of God of Jesus. Why do we use that name? Paul says to the Philippians, he says, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name. Woo! Right here, the old folks in my tradition would say, there's power in the name, child. There's power. Whatever you're up against, throw the name on it. Throw the name of Jesus. If it has a name, then Jesus' name trumps that. There's power in the name. The name Jesus, greater than cancer, greater than diabetes, greater than lack, greater than poverty. Since God is for us, who can be against us? Peter says in the second letter, chapter number one, verse number three, He says that God has given us 
all things that pertaineth to life and godliness. All things. Now when you get home or you have your phone, you can Google it. <laughs> Google's a mean thing, isn't it? I want you to Google the phrase all things in the Greek. And I bet you it comes up like this, all things. <laughs> all things. All things. All things. God trying to shift you in your thinking. All things. So what do you, what do you have? You don't believe it. Somebody asked me. I have all things. All, listen, the, I have exactly what the word of God says I have. I can do exactly what the word of God says I can do. I can go exactly where the word of God says I can go. I can preach exactly what the word of God says I can. I can teach exactly what the word of God says I can teach. I have a helper. I have an unction. I have an anointing. I have the Holy Spirit. Not just me. Not just me. But I'm looking at some masked folks. <laughs> You have it. You have it. Bump the person next to you. Go on and encourage them. Tell them, say, you have it. Go. I like, see, look at it, look at it. You see, y'all miss it. There's this little girl back here. She threw an elbow. I love that, baby. Hit him again. She threw it. She said, she hit him with an elbow, and she said, you have it. You have it. You, you have it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My prayer is that it not be a slogan, it not be a passage that we just regurgitate. My prayer is that we would step into it full throttle and see how God would change the landscape by using you and 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 you. It's not about people who stand on the platform, it's about you. It's about you. You can say, oh, Pastor Bill, oh, oh, we love that guy. It's not about me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you believe that? I want to challenge you. Will you live like that? Will you live like that? Well, that's a big ask, but you can do it. Because it's not by might, right? Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. If you believe the word of the Lord, I want you to seal it. I want you to ratify it by putting your hands together and giving God a clap offering and using your own 10-string instrument and shout in the heavenlies, amen. Come on, shout, shout, Amen. So be it. It is so. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.